Hey everybody, it's Lindsay Linton Buck here with the Women in Wyoming podcast series and the next installment of Profiles is coming very soon but in the meantime I was recently interviewed by Issa Jones who is the entertainment editor at Jackson Hole News and Guide in Jackson, Wyoming and they're putting together a little feature on the project. Issa asked a ton of great questions and while we were doing the interview we thought why not share this with all of you so you can get to know me a little bit better and know what to expect with this next installment and the project moving forward. So in this episode, you will actually hear Issa talking to me about the series. I hope you enjoy it. At what point did you know that this was going to be more than just a casual photography self-serving project? When I had moved back to Wyoming in 2013 from New York, I first had the vision for this series and actually started producing some profiles that I opened my business at the same time and very quickly realized that this was a more ambitious undertaking to travel and put together these stories than I had anticipated. And also starting my business, I really had to focus 110% on that just to make sure it got off the ground and survived. So When it sort of came back around in 2016, my business was off the ground. I wanted to do this project again, and I I knew that it was not going to be a simple thing. I knew it was going to take time and resources and money and that it wasn't just going to happen overnight. So I I knew pretty much, (laughs) yeah, I'd say going into it the second time around that it was an ambitious undertaking. Right. Well, how do you find your subjects? Because obviously you're familiar with Jackson and Powell, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty big state that, you know, people try to keep to themselves a little bit. So how do you how do you find who you wanted for chapter one and two? It's a mix of talking to people and just talking to people about the project. When I interview someone, I always ask my subjects who they recommend. I've done a ton of research just on the organizations that do exist for women. I have a nomination process that people can submit nominations for. I think at the end of the day, it ends up being quite intuitive where I just there's something that I'm just excited about really getting to know this person more. And then it's also thinking about how to create uh, more just colorful and diverse picture where each subject informs who I want to profile next. So if I have a subject in Jackson, then I know that my next subject needs to come from somewhere else. And if I have a subject like Marilyn Kite, who's Supreme Court justice and is in the field of law, then I don't want to profile someone else in the field of law for that chapter, at least. So it's like every subject sort of informs the next one in terms of where they're at, their age, and what they do. And how does that fit into the theme of this? Because the theme is inherently broad, I would imagine, but have you, do you pick people and then kind of shape the project to fit that theme? Or is it more like you use the theme to pick who you're going to do next? The first chapter, it was not based upon the theme. The theme actually came afterwards when, you know, setting out to do the series, I it's like, okay, how am I going to tell all these stories? And mentally, I just had to break it down. I thought, I know I can do five in a year. And that and those five ended up becoming what I called chapter one. And mm-hmm. when I looked at what all these women had in common, to me, they fit around this theme of breaking boundaries in the sense that they are some of Wyoming's modern pioneers, being the first in their field to fill a position to just overcoming great personal odds and obstacles 
So the theme came after, and then I had created this chapter format. So in thinking about chapter two, it was the opposite. The theme actually came first. This idea of filling the void just kept coming to my mind. And when I started thinking about what that meant to me, it was on the one hand symbolic of Wyoming's vast open spaces and what you could call these empty spaces or voids that are (laughs) across our state to wanting to profile women in the more rural areas because chapter one featured a lot of women who were very visible, very well known, come from more of the cultural hubs in our state from Jackson to Casper, Laramie and Cheyenne. And I really wanted chapter two to be a contrast of that and feature women who are more unsung heroines that you haven't necessarily heard of. And that came from these, what you could call rural voids or pockets that are making a great impact there and either filling a need or opportunity in their community or addressing a need or opportunity within themselves. And why or how did you choose the medium you chose? Because obviously you have a background in photography, but this has evolved far beyond just a portrait series. Why are you using these certain mediums to tell these stories? My last Wyoming project was when I was back in photography school in Powell at Northwest. And I worked on an independent series featuring some of the generational farming families in town. And I was taking their portrait And I was interviewing them, but I was not recording it in a formal way. I wanted to learn about their lives and why they're still farming. And then I would write their story and I just don't like writing. So, but I loved, I loved sitting down and listening to their story. And when I started thinking about how I wanted to tell these stories, I knew I wanted to capture something beyond the photo. At that time, I think podcasts had really taken the world by storm and my husband and I were driving a lot listening to a ton of podcasts and I don't think I originally set out to create a podcast but I think I just knew I loved hearing the voice and I loved hearing these women tell their stories I wanted to find a way to capture that and it eventually evolved into this podcast right and as good of a writer as as anyone is it's really hard to capture the way someone speaks and the way they tell their own story unless you actually hear it yeah i think you know now that i look back i'm so glad that i've created this because i think there is something so powerful for women especially just having that microphone to Mm -hmm. tell your own story and say your voice matters and it's important and here's what i have to say i really love that the project is becoming this collective platform for these women to tell their stories in their own voices. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, not, I don't want to say why women, because that feels like it has an obvious answer to it, but, but what is the connection between doing it with specifically women in such an area that at least for chapter two is dealing with these rural areas in the state that I think a lot of people would consider a very masculine environment. For me, it just was a natural choice being a woman and wanting to connect with my peers for my process it is you have to build trust and a kind of a sense of intimacy when you're Mm -hmm. capturing someone's portrait telling their story so I think just at the very baseline just the personal nature and time I spend with my subjects I think it'd be really weird to be doing that with a bunch of men so um, I think just by nature of my process Mm -hmm. I feel very secure working with my peers. And I think there are different challenges that women face. I've always wanted it all. I want the great marriage. I want the great career. I want a family. And I think it's a little more complicated sometimes for women than men. And I just wanted to know from my peers how they were doing it all and whatever that meant to them. 
And you talked about your subject informing your next subject, and I'm sure that informed the way you interviewed your next subject. What have you found? What has surprised you as you've gone through this process? Just really being present with the project is just constantly keeping me on my toes. It is a space that's a little more vulnerable because it's public, it's out there, and I have end vision of what I want to do, but it does evolve. And as I put out each chapter, I get information back. Frankly, even the idea of the themes in the chapter was was not part of the original plan. So I think it's just constantly being surprised by what I learned from the project and these women. And at this point, I just feel like I'm along for the ride and just trying to keep up. (laughs) Yeah. And chapter one was obviously culturally based, which is pretty cool because I don't think of people think of Wyoming as this cultural hub that it it really is. It's a lot of people have carved their signature into the States. What did you learn from that and transitioning to rural people? What what did you learn from them that you didn't think you were going to learn? I mean, honestly, I really do think each story is has a much more universal message. And while there are all these themes, I think that The women of chapter two could also fit into chapter one into this idea of breaking boundaries. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm just really interested in telling these universal truths or or these sparks that live within within us all, which are listening to what's around you, listening to what you need, saying yes to these opportunities that come about that you're not necessarily even thinking of or are part of your plan, um, and then taking action. And I think every woman has a different perspective to add towards that general uh, activity but mm-hmm. in a way they're all they're all similar I mean they're they each have their individual story which is powerful but they all have um, I think a commonality too yeah what what is the <clears throat> portrait aspect of it been like because I found I'm a terrible photographer but when I did have <laughs> take photography classes in college we did have a series on portraits and I hated it because I felt <laughs> like people have an expectation of what a portrait should be and when mm. you go in no matter how creative you try to be it just looks like a portrait how did you how did you work through that with your subjects I'm still working through it and that's a I, that's a great question because Part of my inspiration for doing this project was I had gotten to a place with my commercial work where I'd been shooting commercially for six or seven years. And I was just at that point where I was like, if I had no client telling me or not telling me, but if I, if I didn't have a client's vision to deliver, what do I want to say? And I didn't know because (laughs) I hadn't worked on a personal series in a really long time. So again, it's going back to this project. I'm just in it and I'm just committed to trying and finding answers. Some things that have been really fun for the photography side for me for this series, I did want to depart from my commercial work in the sense that my commercial work is quite planned. You know, there's my clients are paying me. So it's like, okay, here's our plan. It's pretty produced. I've usually got a team with me. I in my studio or we're on location, there's lighting. For this, I just want it to be super light. So it's still, there's still some stylistic components and some editorial components, but it's a little more documentary style for me. And I'm shooting film, which is just completely, I love it because it, with the shoot and you're like all right I hope I got something in there <laughs> you don't really know and it's all manual focus so it's like you hope the shots are in focus but I do think the film lends a layer of physicality mm-hmm. it's a little more raw it's just a little it's authentic and it comes back it's exactly how I want it to look the colors the tones I'm not spending hours retouching I am exploring a lot of new 
my workflow and how I capture yeah yeah things. shooting with film is it's terrifying <laughs> but it's also really fun because you kind of see the photo in your head and you have no choice but to be like okay this is it totally yeah you can't like look and be like move two inches to your right like totally. you have to, to be there you have to be so present and at first I would still you know take some test shots with my digital camera check the back make sure it looked all right and now it is it's just it's again just trying to be so present in that moment with that subject and also let some moments unfold whereas Mm -hmm. when I'm in the my commercial realm I'm the director I am in charge of moving this along so I am very active in how I guide my subject through the shoot whereas with this it's much more having to let my subjects reveal themselves to me and then sort of take their lead where to go and yeah, I just, I, I love that it's a little, like, it, it keeps me on my toes because there isn't as much of that guarantee. And, you know, often I'm traveling six or seven hours to work with my subject, so I better get something and I better get it right. So <laughs> it's expensive, but it's going that, that extra mile to try and to push my own boundaries of what I want to create. And so far, I'm loving the results. Good. And you said yesterday that, you know, part of this project and taking it on was to reconnect with Wyoming after being in LA and New York. Have you have you found that you have done that? And in what ways have you reconnected with it? What have you learned about this place that is so vast and diverse? I feel like I am just scratching the surface <laughs> after being on the road. Uh, a year and a half now. It's just, it's sort of like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, or the more you see, it's like, oh gosh, there's just so much out there. And I do, I feel like I've created a lifetime of work for myself because there's just so many stories and there's so many pockets um, that are in our state. Our state is massive. So honestly, I feel like I am still just at the beginning. Yeah. Who's been your favorite interview thus far? Uh, That is such a hard question. I I mean, I really, I learn something every time and that's what's exciting too, is Mm -hmm. that adding the interviews, that was not something I ever did formally. And now that it's officially on record and I've made this podcast, it's again, made me have to like try to make it more official. So at the end of the day, I learn something from every single episode. Right. What's been the response thus far? I know you had the reception at Taylor for chapter one and yeah. I don't know what's been going on that since then. That was crazy. I, so it was off season and I had sent out, it was just a one night thing and I sent it out to my Facebook page for the project and Instagram. And I thought, okay, my friends and family are going to be there. And then probably a few people that like the project and know about it. And it was crazy. It was packed I felt like I was speed dating the entire time it was just like one person after another person and I looked around I was like I don't know any of these people who are you and it was such a cool moment because you do you create these things and they are like your heart and your soul and they just come from this deep place that you can't even understand and it's like I would have created this regardless but putting it out there and just seeing that response feeling it in person was a very powerful moment just to keep going and realize, wow, there is a need for these stories and I have to keep doing them because people want to see and hear them. So it was a very cool moment. Good. What's next? You have a semi-release date for chapter two and then have you thought about chapter three? Are you so in the weeds? What's the plan? No. So I was definitely in the weeds after chapter one, just because I was so, I could only see, okay, getting these five 
profiles out for chapter one. I think I told you yesterday, Mm -hmm. the day I launched chapter one, I met with a potential donor and she asked me, how's chapter two coming along? And I was like, gulp, I, oh gosh, can I just (laughs) enjoy this one day of (laughs) just getting this moment here? After thinking about chapter two and this idea of filling the void, it then became clear to me, oh wow, like these chapter formats are, what other themes do I want to examine? So chapter three and possibly four, because I think it's a huge topic, is power. And just what does that even mean? There are so many layers to that theme, so I will be exploring that for sure in Chapter 3, potentially Chapter 4, and then Chapter 5, I have some ideas, but as of now, I was imagining doing five chapters, so that's the culmination, and I just... It's not totally clear yet what that last chapter is going to be about. As you've gone into this, are you still thinking that that's going to be the last chapter? Or do you imagine that halfway through chapter three, you're going to be like, oh, JK, I have, I have a whole other idea. Yeah, that's very possible. And I think it will depend on, I have a, a museum uh, that is interested in presenting the work. If that happens, then I will have a concrete deadline, which means there will be an end of sorts. I do feel like I'm not going to feel like I'm done even after chapter five, because the more I get into it, the more I just think there are so many stories to tell. So I don't think it'll be the absolute end, but it may be an ending of sorts. And you're doing this whole project from kind of an insider's point of view. I don't know if that's even possible in the state, but has there been a response from outside Wyoming? Mm. Because I feel like this place is very foreign to people and they have very strong conceptions of what it is. Yeah, there are people that follow the page on Instagram and social media that are not in Wyoming. And the next steps are going to be to start reaching out to some editors outside of Wyoming, because I do think Wyoming, it has that nostalgia, you know, you still think of the old West and the cowboy state. And I, I do think it has that appeal. Haven't pushed a ton to get it out there on the worldwide channels, but I absolutely want to share Wyoming with the world. And I want to share a different story than they're typically used to hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Have you kind of found those different stories? I mean, I would imagine as you're going through this, you're finding that Wyoming is a completely different world than you even thought if you had to explain it to someone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's one subject in chapter one that always comes to mind for me, Nimi McConaughey. She was born Mm -hmm. in Madras, India and became the first woman of color to run a TV news station in Casper. And then she ran for office and won and was the first Indian born person in the entire US to ever serve in state government. And it's like, She's in Wyoming and she's doing that and she's lived in Casper the last 40 years. So there's so many incredible stories and surprising stories that absolutely I'm continually surprised by who is in our state. How have you balanced that notion of really this person in Wyoming Mm -hmm. with a true authenticity of these stories without having to jettison that kind of like, look what we're doing angle that a lot of people take when it comes to this place? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm interested in this idea of how do you break, chapter one was breaking boundaries, but I'm, I'm interested in this idea of limits and obstacles. And I think that is from my own personal experience of growing up in Wyoming as a kid. And just for some reason, I always thought that whatever I wanted to do, I couldn't possibly do that in my home state. I would have to leave. And it's been this funny journey for me of I'm never coming back to coming back for photography school and then leaving for New York and even after coming back after New York still thinking 
there's no way I can make it here setting up my photography studio and here I am I never thought I would be this creatively challenged living in Wyoming so I think ultimately the subjects I'm interested in while they may have those cool parts of their stories at the end of the day I'm interested in how do they break through what are seemingly limitations either living in Wyoming or living or for themselves and just move beyond them and still find their or tap into their full expression and voice living here in the rural West today. Yeah. Why do you think those limitations exist? Is that just a psychological culture thing or are they real? I think for me personally, it was a matter of just not seeing what paths were available for a creative person. And that's part of why I want to do this too, is, is to, I, seeing is believing. I think it's powerful to see. It makes it real when we can see someone doing something amazing. And I want to create this series as well to just show like, hey, here are a lot of options of what you can do. There are many paths to success. Here are a few of them. And here's what you can do in Wyoming. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Like personally, I love LA, but I've never been that person who wants to, to do the hustle in either of those cities. Mm -hmm. Um, and coming here, I was like, this is a step backwards in my career and it's been a huge leap forward. Yeah. So I think like a lot of people just don't even realize that. There is a subject in this chapter who her biggest piece of advice was bloom where you are planted. And I just love that because sometimes we can't control where we end up or where life takes us. And I think it is limiting thinking to be in that place and just think, oh, there's nothing I can do here. There's always something you can do. So I think that nothing is permanent. Wherever you are, just go full out while you're there. Absolutely. There's something to be learned. That was Issa Jones, entertainment editor at Jackson Hole News and Guide, interviewing me about the project and what's next for the series. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, Issa, for that interview. And chapter two is coming very soon. In the meantime, be sure to check out the first installment of the series, chapter one, Breaking Boundaries, on the project website, womeninwyoming.com, Instagram at womeninwyo, that's women in W-Y-O, or Facebook at women in Wyoming. I also want to give a special thanks to the project's fiscal nonprofit partner, Momentum, and our granting organizations who help fund the production of this series and allow me to travel the state and meet with these women and get their stories on record. So thank you to the Wyoming Humanities Council, the Equipoise Fund, the Wyoming Community Foundation, Center of Wonder, and the Bobby Modell Charitable Fund as well as contributions from individuals and commercial donors. It's thanks to their support that I'm able to produce this series. Stay tuned for Chapter 2, and thanks again for joining me on the Women in Wyoming podcast.